Okay, well, thank you so very much, Veda. Thank you to everyone that's here. It's been, I've been here for the last couple hours since the conference started. And from the bottom of my heart, this has been a very, very beautiful conference. And um, whether it's Kalani or whether it's Veda or John, uh, they're all like family to me. And um, basically, if it's all right, I will introduce myself and then essentially jump right into what I want to present because what I've done here attempts to incorporate uh, not just Veda's work, but even John's work and I'm certain perhaps the work that all of you are doing as well. So there is a bit of a uh, thunderstorm where I am. So forgive me if you hear a lot of wind in the background, but um, I'll do the, the best that I can. So before we dive into it, um, my name is uh, David Rossi. I My pseudonym online is Dave Zed in an attempt to sort of get the younger generation, the uh, uh, Generation Z or Generation Z on board with a lot of these different uh, topics, uh, specifically pertaining to this idea of remembering who we are. But before I jump into that, um, I host a podcast called the Generation Z, uh, spelled Z-E-D podcast in which is on YouTube, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, as well as uh, patreon.com slash Generation Z. Um, in the last year and a half, two years of my life, things have taken a turn for, I would dare to say, um, at this point, the better with respects to, um, I have a um, consulting and contracting company called SALT LLC, uh, which stands for Strategic Analysis and Assessment of Longitudinal Technologies. It's a very fancy way of basically saying, I look at a lot of stuff that Veda's work directly is involved with, essentially, whether it's with um, other world uh, governments or whether it's with private institutions or non-for-profits, you name it. So I think that uh, hopefully this presentation may be a little bit surprising in a positive way way uh, for and to all of you. So let's jump right into it. But before we do, I just want to make sure here that everybody can see my screen. I just want to make sure that. Um... Yes. I can yes. See okay, it. perfect. Thank you. So let's see here. So one second. Sorry, guys. I for some reason have. There we go. All right. So Everyone here is very familiar with the traditional, you know, disc flying disc type of situation and all of that, but I would very respectfully advise all, all of you, including myself as well, to sort of throw that out of the window for a moment. I, I would dare to say that what we're looking at here, in which I will then bring full circle to Veda and John's incredible work, is... In, when one is assembling, if this type of craft or, you know, anti-gravity free energy craft is able to be assembled, we are essentially creating a nuts and bolts version of what we already are organically. And I will explain that um, as we as we go forward. Now, before I do, I would very respectfully advise to not necessarily try and understand what I'm going to present or say so much as try and feel it. I believe this is uh, what we call intuition, spirituality, intent is something that is um, perhaps deliberately and unfortunately missing from our school systems on a global scale. So with that said, I'd like to quote Dr. Niels Bohr from over 100 years ago, in which he said, there are trivial truths, and then there are great truths. The opposite of a trivial truth is plainly false, but the opposite of a great truth is also true. So this then begs the question of, are what we call disagreements, in fact, not necessarily disagreements, but very vital to attaining different perspectives of the same object, material, you name it? which again brings us to the concept of reality is only as real as the individual seeing and or experiencing it. And such disagreements could in fact be turned around into benevolent positive improvements 
whether it's a conversation about something or a science project or whatever it is. So to understand what we call as alleged uh, UFO, UAP craft, in my opinion, we first must understand ourselves with respects to the different chakras of the body and the different uh, concepts over the many, many thousands of years, perhaps even farther and longer than that, uh, regarding the way in which our bodies seem to work and how our bodies may in fact be quote unquote magical. Um, again, it's all relative with the labels, but uh, you all see what I mean. So the question becomes, what does this say about intent? What, what, what if we think for a moment that everything around us in what we call empty space is in fact behaving exactly like water, except it is comprised of, say, electricity and magnetism in which we simply cannot observe nor experience. So an example I would give is, for those that are really into food, a very basic example is, imagine you order a beautiful pizza, there's 12 slices on the pizza, but when you order the pizza, you only see one slice. The other 11 slices are not observable, let alone eatable. I would dare to liken that to the reality in the world we are living in right now. So it's not that things are not there so much as it is just that we are not seeing or experiencing this. Now, if we are anywhere from 55 to 70% water, in this case here, this Google result says 60%, the question becomes, what does this say about intent in general? Well, whether it's John's work, whether it's Veda's work, we see here that according to Mr. The One and Only Amoto, when water is focused towards someone who has intent and positive thoughts that is then transmitted via and through that intent, there is in fact a crystalline structure that occurs in which is also hexagonal in shape and I believe also speaks to the underlying geometry of the reality we are uh, within ultimately or living within. Now, when there are negative thoughts or there is more chaos or something like this, the water seems to be far more sporadic, reminiscent of one's thoughts and intent, of course, right? Now, we then must ask ourselves, if our thoughts and intent are controlling and curating excuse me, matter, and in this particular case, water, what does that say about our DNA? Is there a correlation? And so I would dare to say very strongly from a data-driven perspective, that there is. And not only is there a correlation to water, but there's also a correlation to uh, USOs, unidentified submerged objects in the water, as well as unidentified aerial uh, craft or phenomenon in the sky. Now, the question becomes, why are people seeing more craft these days? And not just craft, I might I add as well, people are having experiences in which they're seeing uh, colorful beings with the corner of their eye. They're seeing what's uh, very beautiful creatures in water but then their friends or partners will not see them whatsoever. And why is it that we seem to exhibit or witness this far more often in this point in time as opposed to before? And granted, some of it could be due to just uh, some people, quote unquote, waking up spiritually, but that's all fine and dandy. But what does that really mean from a scientific perspective? Well, a lot of people say, for example, that one, one is waking up. Uh, we are in the age of Aquarius. Well, imagine for a moment, I call this the winter blanket example, you're sleeping in an apartment, say in New York City, and it's freezing, freezing cold. And you are essentially uh, sleeping with only one blanket on you and the window is open and it's the smack dab of the middle of the night. And you begin to feel 
the cold air come through the window and because it's freezing outside with only one blanket on top of you you are going to feel that cold air far more than if you had say four or five layers of blankets on top of you I would liken the age of Aquarius to the blankets on the bed in which you are underneath except on a frequency level with respects to things like sound light uh, radio frequencies and of course water as well is it quite possible that what we've seen in the last handful of years with regards to people being able to modify water specifically with less focus than they would have had to have used 10 20 years prior potentially be due to this sort of lightening of this sort of densification and frequency now what's interesting about all of this is that regardless of the culture there seems to be over the many tens of thousands of years a very peculiar historical pattern with regards to this concept of what we call pine cones kissing um many different ways that we can uh we can label this as vectors uh touching each other uh, whatever you would like to call it and I would like to thank very much Mr Kalani for bringing up hydrogen so adamantly because the image on the far right hand side we are looking at here is the quantum uh we could say aspect or viewpoint of the ground state of hydrogen and quantum is just a very fancy way for saying that the smallest known possible we could say uh properties uh whether electromagnetically or with particles um or with what's called quantum chromodynamics which is a super fancy way of saying colors so we also see the center picture as well is from ancient uh the Knights of Templars from ancient uh, Egypt during the I believe 12 1300s the bottom picture is from ancient Mesopotamia and the far left image is one of a United States mil uh, government patent on producing this type of energy in which seems to be all around us that we just simply cannot ob observe uh, absorb or use but it seems as though uh, Veda's method John's method and and many others in the call I'm sure enables this type of energy and that's one of the things that in fact uh, attracted me very much to to Veda's work now it's very possible that this effect can enable quote-unquote magical forms of what we call both uh transferring information what we call telepathically just by thinking whether it's via that of the brain or more so that of the heart and emotion and these energies dare I say at least my work has found in collaboration with others tend to travel at literally the speed of light so it would not matter if uh, what one is trying to do whether it is with their intent or with their again thoughts in a different form is done on water or done on any type of material because as a matter of fact we are providing that power source and in doing so we are then working with this ether if you want to call it um this sort of uh, empty sort of a full space in which we cannot observe of beautiful beautiful waves that are electromagnetic instead of that of uh, h2o now what's interesting about all of this is that if we were to look at a practical example of this effect what we would find is that when the craft uh, of any type of craft are taking off uh, these alleged craft they are producing although we cannot see it they are producing a double helix type propulsion uh, situation 
precisely identical to the way in which water behaves and and essentially uh the dynamicism of water tends to perturb and move and act and all of this so we are essentially creating a nuts and bolts version to a large degree of ourselves and i will provide much more uh evidence to uh, potentially substantiate this so this is where I really do believe in which I don't want to um, be premature in announcing anything, but Veda and I have worked together on uh, some projects to substantiate this both from a numbers angle and from even a philosophical angle, is that what we're looking at in the image here in the center is one of Veda's incredible uh, results. What we're looking at on the right-hand side, the top right image, is something that in my line of work is called quantum electrodynamics. And on the bottom right is something called uh, Feynman scattering operators, a much uh, a fancy way of basically talking about the quarks that Kalani was discussing earlier. Now, what's interesting about all of this I found, and I really have to give the credit to Veda here, is that Veda's work has shown me that nature is essentially telling us or giving us the blueprints for how these underwater craft, even above atmosphere into perhaps space craft, operate with regards to nature is just telling us or giving us the blueprint and saying go model it so let's go model it or let's go build it rather excuse me i also believe as well that philosophy without science is like a seed without water they they must go hand in hand trying to force anything in any other regard or direction or fashion would be completely contradictory to what uh, mother nature has literally attempted to hand it us uh, to hand us excuse me so the question then becomes is empty space really not that empty after all does it in fact behave like an ebb and flow sort of fluid or liquid and is it possible that these invisible waves exist infinitely all around us but not only that the question also becomes could our intent change manipulate or affect these waves and is there, in fact, a direct result of this that could, again, substantiate such? I firmly believe, indeed, that there is. Before we get into some of the visuals that I have uh, provided on how, for example, John and Veda's work may, in fact, uh, literally operate, we'll take a look at some very quick papers um, out of Europe, which has to do with modifying one's DNA just by thoughts. No no chips in the brain, no, no uh, nuts and bolts stuff, none of that, purely through thought and intention. We see specifically on the right-hand side of this image, the intention of an individual's brain harmony begins to modify with both winding and unwinding of the DNA of, of a person. And also, they do not need to be close to each other. Distance is not a factor in this particular regard. We find as well that there is a sort of heart and mind harmony in which must be induced in order for, th for this effect to occur. And again, this was this particular paper uh, by Ezio Gagliardi and Gina Mondini uh, was done over a multi-year uh, experiment with many, many dozens of people, a different uh, test subjects, you name it, of, of individuals. And so the data seems to be fairly uh, solid. But in addition to that, we see as well this concept of constant rings and vortexes, particularly within water as well we see that there is in fact a direct connection between one's thought what they think where they're looking to put that thought towards and how quickly they're looking for that thought to then be manifested 
which then manifests in the form of what we would call spirals, rings, vortexes, you name it. A prime example, literally being within that of nature in and of itself, uh, whether it's with your dolphins, whether it's with, the, I mean, you name it, it's just very, very beautiful. This is also part of what I uh, speak to when I say that nature has provided us the blueprints. We just have to figure out sort of through brainstorming the not necessarily right way of doing things, but ways in which nature would agree with us to enable these effects to then be scaled up on a, on a grander scale. So with that said, we, we see these spirals not just within uh, uh, mammals as well. We see this ultimately all around us. Uh, many people have also proposed that what we call straight lines are not line, straight lines at all. Uh, they're in fact spirals that make up much larger spirals that appear to us as what we call straight lines, which is an interesting thought to me at least. Now, with that said... Um, there is strong data in which I have been working on behind the scenes, particularly with uh, Veda and her work to show that with respects to the human chakras being essentially very similar to that of a, uh, a Kundalini experience in which we speak to this idea of grounding oneself and then having an electric resonance build up within the human body, lock in with the hydrogen bonds of the water. It would that uh, the water in which we are made up of work its way up the chakras to the very top and final chakra and then one's intent decides which way and uh, we could say direction that person's information packet or what we would call thought would go towards now if that thought is going towards a material or in this case a fluid that could resonate literally by definition lock in some of its hydrogen bonds in which are again crystalline in nature to then lock in as well with the intent that is being emitted from the, the top chakra of the body then it's actually very possible this could indeed work and has worked and has been replicated uh, not just with veda's work but in uh, laboratories all around the world now unfortunately speaking to what uh, the great mr kalani had said earlier there has been an attempt to suppress a lot of this work one of my objectives and goals in in, in my life is to bring a lot of this uh, all of it out as as much as as humanly possible that i can do um, but the idea essentially would be before we move on is there is an electrical buildup within the body um, it's not that far out there to say that, again, we as humans are a, a natural organic uh, conductor, so to speak. There's an electrical buildup. And then once that buildup is at the very tip of the, we could say, the uh, the pineal gland or the, the very top chakra, there is then an emission from basically your thoughts and your mind. And it, it then locks in with your biofield to then, just like a surfer riding water waves, what then happens is this information packet then rides the magnetic, what we call flux lines or the magnetic lines or waves that are all around us that we cannot experience or observe, but they're there. Just like the pizza example, just because you can only see one slice doesn't mean that the other 11 are not there. With that said as well, one thing I'd like to point out, and I would like to address this with respects to John's work specifically that we just saw, a perfect timing, by the way. Thank you, John. It was a beautiful presentation. We see that John's work has shown different layers, or what we'd call in my line of work, different densities of these crystalline structures. Some seem thicker than others. Some have different designs. You name it. So 
to provide an example from a very, very quantum, but also fundamental level, I, I personally believe the most complex concepts are actually the most basic ones, ironically enough. Um, if we think of on the right hand side here, uh, the right hand side image, a stack of books, imagine the very top book is the book in which we are experiencing book number 10. Let's go book. Let's uh, say, imagine there are 10 books only, even though arguably there would be an infinite amount. Essentially, we are experiencing and living on book 10. What John's work seems to have shown implicitly is that there may be, we could say, sub or hidden information structures that come out visually, say on book six, book five, in the stacks below. One's intent seems to enable a situation where, say, book number five can jump all the way up to the very top of book number 10. And book number 10 is, again, the uh, surface level experience and reality in which we are in. This is, I, I would like to say uh, very respectfully that there is very strong um, uh, physics, chemistry, optics, uh, algebra, uh, biophysics data behind this. I'm just trying to provide the most uh, fundamental example I can give in the most fun way so as to not bore everybody here. So please forgive me. Um, but that would be this stacking books example would also be the exact same concept and, and or idea, not just within one particular scenario, but even in general with one's thoughts and interacting with others as well. So Oh, one second here. There we go. We then have to ask ourselves, what are, to a certain degree, extraterrestrials? And the reason I incorporate this is because a lot of people have talked about experiencing things near water, whether it's seeing a craft or even, dare I say, seeing beings walk out of the craft. And regardless of what the beings look like, there's, you know, the typical little gray guys. There's the ones that look that have that are claimed to look just like us. We can't tell the difference. I will even go as far as to say that I have done uh, consulting for various um, uh, governments where it I've been. Uh, Truthfully, I've been sitting at the, the table with them in a, in a private, very private, restricted setting where very serious Navy soldiers are talking about interactions with mermaids. And I say that not negatively, purely positively. We have to ask ourselves, what are they, so to speak? Is it possible some may be our ancestors who perhaps branched off on their own and went to literally go hide in various, uh, we could say, uh, aquatic areas of the planet but never really left but have returned to the surface and we perhaps label them or view them as extraterrestrial um i would dare to say there's far more going on in the ocean than in the skies uh, i could be wrong but that's just my personal perspective and some of these uh these beings may in fact want to help us remember who we are and i i think that um uh, for those that plan to watch this as a recording after, uh, I think Kalani did a much better job than I could ever do in describing the potential concept of how we must remember or can try and remember who we are, particularly his example with the uh, with the grandmother at the dinner table. I think that was beautiful. So with that said, I'll get a little bit nerdy with the science here, but we have in science, we have a strong force a weak force, an electromagnetic force, and gravity. One of the biggest problems has been, can we, if we can unite all of this, we can then understand what, what we call life is made up of. I believe that there is a fifth force. Not only do I believe there is a fifth force, but I have very strong evidence, both uh, not just anecdotal, also a practical evidence to substantiate such. But I also believe of most importance that Veda's method enables this fifth force. 
And I don't say that because I'm, you know, Veda's hosting and I'm on her fantastic conference call and all of that. I say that because there is pure, raw, not just numerical, but philosophical, uh, metaphysical, uh, optical, chemical, uh, even ceramic, uh, in terms of ceramic and electrical engineering, not just evidence, but solidified data, which has yet to see the light of day, which could in fact corroborate um, a lot of these effects. So one other thing I'd like to mention as well is that we see here the human biofield in which would be uh, we would all have currently, as all of you on the call would have right now, just because we cannot see it or experience it doesn't mean that it's not there. Now, if I may, I would like to take the right hand picture and then for a quick little visual exercise, overlap it with the left hand picture of the human biofields. If you overlap the two, you would then have a sort of Venn diagram looking visual. But then if we were to put more humans with biofields in an, a visual image sense atop one another, you would and traced with a, a you know a pen or a, a pencil or you name it, an outline of the intersections of the biofields, you would have the vortex double helix that is exhibited not only in our DNA, not only in the same method that is used with respects to Veda's methodology, as well as uh, John's as well, but you would practically have what nature seems to be showing and demonstrating towards us as the, um, I don't want to say the key or answer, but certainly a, a closer element to what truly is, rather than what isn't, let's just say. Not only that, but we find this all across nature as well. We find these rings, these sort of vortex rings, these sort of conical structures, these, these double helix spirals um, occurring in the flight paths of pigeons and with fish or even with our own thoughts. Uh, we see this also within ancient, uh, ancient cultures all across the world as well. I don't think this is a coincidence whatsoever. I, do, I also do not think it is a coincidence that the human biofield is very, very similar, if not identical, if not perhaps even more, quote unquote, uh, perfect than that of what a toroid field or a geometric field in which uh, a UFO, whether in water or in the sky, uh, tends to uh, create in and of itself energetically. So one last example I would like to give um, are, again, some photos of craft that seem to be disseminating or doing something in which still continue to have a spiral vortex-like structure, just like tornadoes, hurricanes, you name it, almost as if nature itself is modeling off of us and trying to tell us what the blueprints are so that we can remember. So with that said, these are also some papers as well, if I may give a very friendly reminder to the audience, um, patreon.com slash generation Z spelt Z E D at the end, no spaces, no capitals. Uh, we do uh, multiple times uh, per week, uh, group calls, we do uh, open discussions, we do members only uh, episodes similar to this, but in much more uh, detail for those that are interested, whether it's in philosophy, science, esotericism, you name it. Um, that's essentially uh, what we do and uh, on the show side. And I would like to thank every single one of you, uh, of course, Veda as well, for allowing me this uh, fantastic and very gracious uh, opportunity to, to present this today. And I really do think that our work uh, interconnects very, very strongly. So thank you so very much, everybody. Uh, Veda, you're muted. 
right, that might help. Um, <laughs> I do want to thank, firstly, thank you so much. I want to ask you a few questions because you said you wouldn't mind if I just put you on the spot, so I'm going to just do that. Um, there are, like, and I just want to ask your opinion, and maybe maybe you can or you can't share some stuff, I don't know. But as far as extraterrestrial life goes, um, in your opinion, where would they mostly be found on Earth? Sorry, I was muted there. I would say in the water, most likely. In terms of if there was a plethora of whether one group or multiple, um, the data, whether from military or otherwise, uh, suggests there's far more going on in the water than in the skies. And and in your opinion, I know you're not necessarily able to, I mean, we, we may, none of us may ever be answer this, but in your opinion, I mean, there's there is such a plethora of what people, you know, suggest out there and right. photos you don't know if they're real or not real. And there's so much going on and there's so much going on in the world right now, especially lately. What do you think? The, the, the Do you think that there are various different types of extraterrestrials who have different um, kind of ideas around what they're wanting to impart on humanity or on the earth? For example, are they are they trying to integrate and and upgrade our society, or is there a more untoward thing? And I've heard that there have been like um, interventions where 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 humans have tried to like pretty much blow up the earth, and they've been stopped unexpectedly. What are your thoughts around that? Sure. Well, first, let me just say that it is of my opinion that whether in the laboratory during experiments or traveling for consulting and all of this, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know anything, first and foremost, just to say, but that, that to me, that speaks to philosophically the joys in the journey. So as of right now, as of the time we're doing this call, there seems to have been a more, um, in, in all truthfulness, a more uh, unbecoming species in the last handful of decades that had attempted to perhaps coerce in various regards, uh, various aspects of our society. But in the last handful of years, there seems to have been a far more positive attempt at trying at some of these groups trying to interact with us. And I will be the first to say that I'm not asking anyone here to believe me. I'm simply asking everyone here to just be open to what I'm saying. Um, there's strong data that goes as far as to say there are beings that um, have literally what you'd call uh, uh, cat-like faces, but the humanoid bodies, things like this. Um, the, the vast majority of them that seem to reside within the water, within the, the bodies of water and our oceans, as we call them, seem to want the um, betterment of not just our species, but by bettering our species, they're by definition bettering the planet in that particular regard. But there's also seems to be uh, many different, you could say, both physical and non-physical um, in, intents from these beings as well. There are ones that also allegedly have um, positive intentions with us or for us that um, literally you, not, you would not be able to tell the difference, would allegedly look just like us perhaps a little bit taller, they, you know, their eyes would light up in, in darker rooms. So, you know, little things would pop out like that, but nothing that would make one say, oh, you know, th this person is very different from my, my structure, so to speak, or anything like that. But I think ultimately, the, there is a very strong presence in the water, very strong uh, within within the oceans and in 
uh, within also multiple areas uh, of the ocean. And it is of my personal humble opinion, although I could be wrong, that uh, NOAA is um, the agency NOAA. They, they're very familiar and aware of this. So that's just my take. I, I could be wrong, but. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And uh, people are asking just about how to contact you. When I send the recording, I'm going to send everybody's contact details out with the Thank recording. You. So um, so so don't worry. Um, so like I love that you're able to share the science with this because these are topics that a lot of people will just go especially even my work you know I love that there's so many people excited about my work and I'm so grateful to everybody for taking it seriously and trying it themselves which I think is essentially just so important uh, but with John's work and in, in, in my words which are really simple but you know I, I see there is this kind of a relationship where it's almost like he's his his imprint is being imprinted and shared with the egg albumin which seems really quite remarkable in a biological substance that we only ever see six patterns and when they have healthy eggs so what you're really saying is that because of his relationship his electromagnetic field um i mean in in this information is being shared but the but what we're seeing is a response rather than reaction right so this is an interesting part with this work that i'm doing I, in the very beginning i would have said i'm seeing the water react but after nearly 10 years of doing this work and all the amazing things i've seen i would say that i'm seeing a response and there's a really big difference between those two words can I, Veda, if I may, could I jump in very quickly with regards to the resonance angle of things? Um, and I want to mention this applies to even when people are having a conversation and you think, wow, I really, I really vibe or resonate with this person or we're on the same wavelength or whatever you like to call it. I would, um, one example I probably should have given during the presentation was imagine all of us here, actually, let's stick with three of us just for the sake of simplicity, were to stand in a triangular formation, essentially, and take uh, elastic rubber bands, very large ones, and wrap them around our ankles. But my ankle would then, it would be wrapped around from my ankle to the other person's and then to the third and then back to mine. And then we all started scraping our feet on the carpet very quickly. And there was a doorknob in between all three of us and we started touching the doorknob. So our feet created static electricity to spark the doorknob. That's basically what is occurring within the body and then transformed into what we call intent that then like a surfer riding waves on water rides the waves of what we call empty space towards where you want it to go towards and to effectuate if that makes sense mm. I, I think I, that's amazing now I, I would um we have a couple of minutes is there anyone that would like to ask Dave a question while we have just that couple more minutes before um uh I get Gwen to speak um okay you can just uh, just one person unmute yourself then and ask the question that's fine hi I just wanted to ask a question to Dave um about what are your thoughts in the Arctic of aliens being there because there's been lots of um information and as well as military information about things uh in the Arctic underground 
Oh, thank you so much, Jane. I appreciate it. I would say I'm of the belief that first, let me just say that what we call quantum physics or basically science fact is outstripping science fiction very rapidly. Um, I would say that when we look at the the Arctic or the poles, regardless if it's the North Pole or the South Pole, if we were to envision the planet as a um, have as a magnet, so to speak, with each end having opposing uh, magnetic forces, what we would have is imagine if we go back to that book example, not just one bar magnet, which would represent our reality, but an infinite amount of them stacked. So the reason I say that is I, I am of the humble opinion that uh, going towards these poles may enable a form of going to other realities or perhaps even inside of the planet itself there's been a lot of speculation that the planet is a um is a more hollow than we may think so i think in fact that the um the 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 poles and particularly the arctic there is something there there's actually footage from the 1960s that i have that i bring up on my my patreon where we show in fact news reporters were going to the arctic and there was a particular point where all of a sudden the the snow and all the freezing all of that stuff just stopped and it became warm like the amazon jungle and they have footage of it as well now it's not popular footage it's not something i don't you will ever see i think on national geographic or the history channel but it's, I mean, it's out there. Hi, Dave. Um, how, how do you think that EMFs and PEMFs play into this? Uh, sorry, uh, Cindy, thank you. When you say PEMFs, what do you mean by P? Um, positive electromagnetic fields. Oh. It neutralizes the EMFs and the dirty electricity. Sure, sure. I think, for example, the same way that um, we see uh, someone playing like a harp, like an instrument, I think that uh, electromagnetic and EMFs and PEMFs are a form of enabling a plucking of one of those strings that essentially create like a ripple effect, so to speak. Same way you drop a rock into a pond of water and it ripples consistently. It also speaks to um, uh, Pythagoras's two to one octave ratio as well. I think there's a direct correlation. I think uh, basically there's this, I, I, I've done some work privately for work where um, there's this idea that the ether, is, so if we are bathed in this electromagnetic fluid, there's not just one ether. One, of the, one layer is electromagnetic. There's another one that is in fact consisting of colors. There's another one consisting of sound acoustics and they can they all are connected but they're also not simultaneously but to bring it full circle emfs and pemfs essentially can tap all those layers the same way you pluck one part of a, a, a string on a harp and then it would vibrate all the way down okay okay cool thanks thank you we can have one more question If you'd like to ask Dave a question, you can just unmute oh, yourself. I think Fawn or wanted Fawn? to jump in. Fawn, do you want to just unmute yourself? Yes. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Thank you so much for everything today. I was wondering if you um, are familiar with Dr. Stephen Greer's work and what you think about what he's saying. I think ultimately there's multiple, uh, first off, I am familiar with his work. I'm familiar with people that are, that are close to him as well. Um, including also other groups out there as well, whether it's, uh, Mr. Uh, Elizondo or, or many others too. I think just like, uh, I think what we're looking at here are multiple paths to the same finish line. 
I don't necessarily think there's a right nor wrong direction to go in that regard. But I think, um, again, in, in all of these areas, healthy question, healthy skepticism is very good because it leads to growth. So um, I, I saw someone else uh, bring up, um, am I familiar with zero point energy? That's essentially what I would dare say I specialize in, so to speak. So yes. Yes. And can you just five minutes on zero point energy for us? Sure. Zero point energy is essentially this uh, idea or concept that the energy in which is all around us and what we have called empty space is not in, is not empty at all. As a matter of fact, what we call um, empty space is more, quote unquote, real than anything physical around us, if that makes any sense. And what I mean by that is essentially if we go back to the concept of the pine cones kissing or the, uh, we could say the pyramids and with the tips of the pyramids touching or something like this, what we're seeing essentially is a form of um, explosion in a positive manner via implosion. And it is constantly re self-reliant, so to speak. Um, and basically it is attained by bringing both the electric, magnetic, uh, temperature, pressure, and density thresholds to a zero state or zero point in that regard. Um, it, it, this could be you, this energy could in fact be used for propulsion. It could be used for uh, medical healing. It could be used for uh, communication, uh, literally because this energy, like a surfer rides the, the waves of, of the ether of the zero point, they literally move at uh, light speed. So it could literally revolutionize everything as we know it, essentially. You um, sent me a picture, I'm going to try and find it, something you sketched, which was showing something about the curve. Um, I'm just trying to find, bring it up. Do you oh, remember? The essentially, yes, uh, the the top head, the the bird's eye view if of, of one's human, if you remove the top part of the human skull and you were to look at the pineal gland from the above. That is essentially the way in which an electron also spins. But in school, we're only taught that the electron spins one way. There's also an anti-direction. Now, if we were to draw that out and expand it and then connect the overall curvature, what you'd also be drawing is not only looking at a human head from above, you'd also be drawing the planet and uh, as well. So uh, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Wow, that's really powerful stuff. Now, do we have um, one more question we can take and then we're going to move on? These are all, for those asking, these are all videos and things that I, I do on the Patreon that I sent to Veda as, a, as sort of a preview some time ago. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Dave, I have a, I have a question. Yes, sir. Uh, when, you speak about, when you speak of the energy that we're surrounded in that's constantly around us, you know, having practiced Qigong, you know, I can go into Qigong and feel an energy, feel a pressure, yep. you know, that I'm moving and I'm working with. Is that an example of zero point energy or what type of energy would you call that Qi, that Qi force? I would say that is an example of interacting with that energy. Yes, very much so. Um, as a matter of fact, I would say that to your point, sir, I um, even when I'm doing uh, white paper reports or very uh, technical and dense, uh, algebraically dense equations, I don't actually use my brain. I use my heart, if that makes sense. I, I feel it more than I try and logically understand it. So it helps me then visualize it. it 
they honestly they appear as blue visuals in my head so basically i don't think again um going back to the second slide about there being uh multiple truths i think what you're doing there sir is directly interacting with with that yes thank you Dave. thank you all right dave i i'm so grateful to you you've been um just incredible and I can see through all the comments people have really appreciated um you bring forth this this wealth of information um sometimes Dave and I talk and he has to really break it down for me yeah. <laughs> because because I think if you can share and talk to a, a, a 10 year old child about what you're doing then you really really can understand it and I think that these kinds of uh topics need to be shared with people so that they can understand it and understand how it relates to them it's kind of interesting you were talking about craft as well as our own bodies because there's certain um you know practices uh especially um with Drinvalu McAlzadik talks about the body as kind of like a giant um toroidal field and that it's actually a craft itself and that we can utilize it in these kinds of ways if we understand it um, and tap into various different um, energy planes and fields, I think. So there's a very rudimentary way of saying it, but it's interesting to hear you talking about it in that way. I, if I could say one last thing, and then I'll, I'll um, permanently uh, shut up, I guess. Uh, the A lot of people seem to be, not in this call, but in general, a lot of people seem to be, when it comes to uh, UFOs or seeing even things in the water, they seem to be very focused on what it is in an external sense. What's the material made out of, or this or that. I would respectfully advise to not even focus on that, but focus on how you interpreted the event, because to understand yourself is to then understand everything that occurs externally. But you have to to start internally if that were to make sense so to speak but that i could be wrong that's just me so that's beautiful um yes, somebody said it's a quarter merkaba of course it is um thank you for that okay dave thank you i really appreciate you and i will send the links to how people can contact you with